You are listening to the Firecracker Podcast with Tony Rico. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. I usually say welcome sports fans. And if anyone can notice, I think uh, we might be up to maybe 12 listeners now. I don't know. We kind of lost okay. them because we had a, another studio in Huntington Beach, and it's been a little while since we've done a podcast. But Javelin, I want to welcome you as our first guest into the new Firecracker Softball Incorporated office, but also the Alliance Performance Center. So we've kind of have dual roles here in this new center. But I got the opportunity to meet you uh, actually on the field a few weeks ago through Mike Stith with the Batbusters, and yes. then you and I had a nice chat. But people that watch some of the things that we do, they're always like, what's Rico doing now and what's he trying to make money on now or who's this guy or you know our industry and fast pitch is so skeptical and understandably so there's not a lot of trust in it so why not start off our first podcast with someone that's kind of entering the arena and kind of a a, kind of a a new personality and a new face so really appreciate your time being here Javelin Guidry right yes and so the word the term Guidry for me I'm sure you've heard this rings with um is it Ron Guidry? Ron Guidry. Yeah. Yankees. So a little Yankee pitcher and kind of yeah. a hard thrower back in, back in the day, yes. right? Yes. And so quickly, Javelin, just give me a quick little, you and I had a good conversation before, but a little background about yourself. You had a playing career, you know, grew up pretty, actually grew up pretty close to each other in the same kind of area. Yeah. And then I'll kind of walk through kind of some of the things that your kids are doing and then kind of what led you to this venture that you have going on right now. But tell us a little bit about your background and your sports background and what you're uh, fortunate enough to be able to participate in. Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California here in Cerritos area. Uh, my brother, who's two years older than me, uh, we were a family of four and, and grew up there in, in the suburbs. And, and uh, we used to jump the brick wall fence and walk across the railroad tracks to, uh, you know, Cerritos Mall. And, and a lot of great times there right behind Skate Depot, mm-hmm. you know, if you remember uh, in the area. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we grew up in sports and and our, our sports wasn't in performance training centers or with trainers. You know, in place of that, we were in the streets. And we used to play, you know, over the line, smear the queer, you know, like you mentioned, ditch them, you know, football, two-hand touch, you know, until the streetlights came on. Yeah. And, um, you know, th- those were great times and really learning a whole lot about not just the sport, but just life and and dealing with older kids and younger kids and that whole dynamic socially um, and playing there and riding your bikes, you know, around the neighborhood and through the riverbeds over there. Yeah. Um, we had a great time. And so, you know, we had a lot of success, had a lot of success in support in sports and, you know, starting from four years old playing soccer or football. And uh, it's a foundational sport, which I recommend to all parents. You put your kids in. Was that the first league structure sport that you got into? Yes. Was soccer? Yes. So- soccer was the first league structure sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's, it's, it's a beautiful game that teaches you footwork, agility, how to play in space, how to relate to others, um, the conditioning side of it. Uh, there's so many great elements to the game mm-hmm. uh, for starting off from a foundational standpoint. Right. Um, in sports. And so from there, you know, excuse me, went on to, you know, play basketball, um, didn't play tackle football um, until I was about, you know, nine, 10 years old. And uh, Pop Warner, Pop Warner mm-hmm. football, Cerritos Hornets, mm-hmm. right over there uh, at Carmenita Junior High School. Mm-hmm. And I uh, had a great time doing that and, and playing and competing. And, and, you know, I, I then it was year round, mm-hmm. you played soccer, you know, you play basketball. I was, you know, fortunate enough to play travel basketball 
and you know go to the tournaments with um in Las Vegas and Reno and back then it was slam and jam. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't any AAU basketball. Was that relatively new travel basketball? Cause I just appreciate the fact that you're on the tail end of my generation that knows what it's like to not have personal instructors, not have oh, yeah. specialized, you know, instruction and things like that. But then you actually experienced travel ball, which makes you now at least 10 to something years younger than me. Cause there was no travel anything when I was growing up. So was that yeah. relatively new in basketball? Yeah, it, it was, it, it, it was relatively new and, and it, it was starting to gain traction nationally. So you'd have some of these tournaments in Las Vegas that brought teams from, you know, Ohio, from Utah, from, you know, Georgia, different states. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was putting the best of the best teams together. Right. And, you know, I remember going to tournaments and Jason Kidd, you know, would be playing on one of the older teams. And you see these guys that were at these tournaments that were going on to the NBA um, you know, but what it did, Tony, was, you know, it, it, it just fanned the flames of my competitiveness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we would do multiple sports at the same time uh, while still doing your junior high school sport. Right. While still doing recess. Right. Where you're playing. There's a word. Crossfire mm -hmm. and dodgeball and mm -hmm. four square and tetherball. You're doing all these different things. What, again, it's building for me was fanning the flames of competitiveness mm -hmm. and really began to shape my identity as someone who really was driven to win mm -hmm. and really driven to be the best that I could. Um, and that training ground from recess to after school, you know, and then to the organized arena, you know, allowed me through through my, my youth days and then on to high school, mm -hmm. playing football and playing basketball mm -hmm. and then running track you know, being able to be you know, an all-league MVP player, you know, in foot tackle football in high school, as well as being an all-league player in basketball mm -hmm. uh, multiple years, and, and, and then going in the track and going to masters at Cerritos College and going mm -hmm. to these different levels, it was normal right. that you played multiple sports. What age did you know that you wanted to continue in sports, like past high school? Uh, you know, I grew up in a neighboring city in Bellflower, and I yeah. mentioned there wasn't a lot of uh, business ambition or aspiration. It was just the type of uh, culture that we grew up into. Mm -hmm. And I always knew I wanted to be involved in sports or music somehow, but I didn't really have a professional path or any type of professional ambition. What was it like for you? And at what age did you realize that, okay, this is something I want to continue to, to do it from, in my life? Yeah, you know, it, it, was, it was something in, in middle school age where my dad used to, he was one of 12, and he grew up in the South wow. in Louisiana and Lafayette, and he was lower end, he was the, the ninth or the eighth of the 12, and uh, his father was a sharecropper, my grandfather. And so it was instilled in all of his siblings that you help your kids go on to college. And one of the things he instilled in us consistently growing up was study hard in school, you know, do well in sports so that you can go on to college and not have to work as right. hard as I do. So that message was there at home organically, oh, right? Repeatedly, repeatedly. Right. And he, he spoke those things and you hear it over and over, you begin to believe that. And that became kind of my, my mantra or my path towards, you know, playing at the collegiate level. This is what I'm going to do. This is what, right, the path I'm on. Exactly. Right. I mean, it became as natural as... Well, you go from junior high to high school, or then you just go from high school to college. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that, that was the natural path. And mm -hmm. so, you know, early on, you know, I knew that it was something that I really wanted to do. And, 
and had a, a lot of success and really worked hard at, at mm -hmm. developing so that I can put myself in a position to have those opportunities. And being gifted athletically and being a multiple sport athlete, right? So then yeah. you settled into after high school that you went in the direction of football, right? Yes, yes. So how, how did that come to be and what were your opportunities there? Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, so, you know, my, my senior year, well, actually my sophomore year, my brother had gotten a scholarship and he was two years older than me. He went to uh, decided on UCLA over, over Washington and SC and a few other schools. And I remember T Terry Donahue, the coach of UCLA say, hey, I'll be back for you in two years. So do you remember the home visit when yes. they came to see your brother? So what was that like for you? You were probably, what, 16, 15? Yes, yeah, so I was 15 at mm -hmm. that time. And so, you know, I was a sophomore and I was playing, you know, JV football and playing varsity basketball. So for him to, to say that, I was like, okay, so you, you believe enough in me mm -hmm. and I see you on TV coaching that I can do it at this level. It only, again, fueled, you know, my fire you know, to continue to work hard and, and grind and, and, and develop and grow so that I can, you know, make that a reality. Some some of the messages, well, that message that you received at home from your father and then the opportunity you got to experience watching your brother being recruited, did, I had imagined that helped you stay clear of some of the normal distractions in our area, you know, uh, let's just say a little urban-esque because that was a challenge too for a lot of people. Not, not everyone, you know, we grow up in social circles, your friends are doing certain things. Yeah. So how were you able to steer clear and stay on the right track at that time? You know, it was one of those things that my dad was always my coach, and he always had us in multiple sports, you know, at the same time, you know, in some seasons. So no and idle time. No idle time. And, and when we did, you know, run in the streets, it was riding bikes or building, you know, dirt ramps, you know, at vacant parks and, and doing constructive things of that nature. But also remember, he and still go to college and get good grades. You know, so I was a 3-7, you know, GPA kid. I was in the different honors clubs. And, and you know, I used to compete in class. I remember in, in eighth grade, um, I, I bet this, this, this kid, Asian kid, we had a lot of Asian kids in our, in our area in Cerritos, you know, who can get the best grade in the algebra class. And so I bust my butt and I beat them mm -hmm. and I bet them 10 tacos at Taco Bell. <laughs> and I tell my kids this whole time and I beat them and we went and I ate all 10 tacos at Taco Bell. And, and now, you know, he, he's a physician in, in the Philadelphia area. That's um, awesome. But, you know, it, again, it was just competitive. Why right. not transfer what I do in sports and recess into the classroom and, right. and into life? And right. so um, it really helped shape me you know, into the person I was at, at a very young age. Excellent. So then, so then your opportunity came with UCLA as well? Yeah. So, so I had a number of different scholarship offers and, and I had narrowed down and, and took a few trips to Arizona uh, when they had Desert Swarm there, mm -hmm. uh, Arizona State, Colorado, uh, and Cal Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to, to get into business, um, but I had this um, – little influential component with UCLA, not only with my brother already being there, but I had met uh, a young lady, you know, right before my uh, senior year that, that summer in July, and she became my girlfriend. Uh, and she just so happened to be a freshman at UCLA. And so I had some of these influential factors that made mm -hmm. UCLA a little bit more attractive than mm -hmm. some of the other options mm -hmm. that I had before me, mm -hmm. who is now my wife, by the way. There you go. Of 24 years. There you go. So, so who, who knew, right, back at that time, right? So what was your playing experience like at UCLA? It, it, it was phenomenal. You know, I, I had a chance to um, play as a true freshman. 
my dad wanted me to, to redshirt because I was probably 155 pounds soaking wet. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't have the best weight program at Gar High School in, in Cerritos. And so, um, you know, but again, the competitiveness, being right. a smart player, you know, being skilled at the technique, doing what I'm supposed to do on the field. So I took what I had uh, at that time and I made the most of it at that level. Mm-hmm. You know, being a 17-year-old in camp with 20, 21, 22-year-olds. Sure. Sure. And so just playing there, um, you know, the camaraderie, of playing at that level with guys, playing in huge arenas. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember playing Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. You know, we played three times in four years against each other. Wow. Um, going to the big house in Michigan and playing against Charles Woodson and Nebraska and all these things. It, it's just a phenomenal experience, you know, and a camaraderie with those guys and training with them and so forth, um, you know, was amazing. So being, being the younger brother and being brought up in a competitive household, um, but I also wonder were there players either in high school and or college that were just good models for you? You saw the way they played the game. You saw the way they did certain things. Maybe not necessarily that they pulled you aside and said, hey, do this that way. But, you know, we get influenced by people, right? So was there anyone that stood out in, in a, any of those years that you, you kind of looked at and said, hey, you know, I kind of like the way they're doing things? And yeah, Well, well, big influence was Michael Jordan. I had that Pope look tall, mm-hmm. you know, body length poster on my wall mm-hmm. and a few other ones. Um, but yeah, my, my older brother was a big influence for me and, and it was competitive because he was only two years older. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was driven and he had a standard. So it was always his mark that I wanted to, you know, exceed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and push myself, you know, beyond. And so I was very fortunate, you know, that he stayed on the, the straight path and, and did things the right way. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I really looked up to him and, and what he did. And, you know, I wasn't big on, you know, college sports and so forth wasn't so big on TV back then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was more the people in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're playing youth ball, you go to the high school games and you see these guys, oh, look at the way they're dressed. I want to dress like that. Sure. Right. Um, so it was more of uh, being in that community and seeing them, uh, but also seeing my brother, you know, was the biggest influence for me. Right. And so you finished your career at UCLA, happy with the career, finished on a good note, like, and then, and then on to the, to the next chapter. So tell me about that transition from a college athlete, because I think that's important for even our young ladies, right? There's right. not a lot of times, not enough resources or help available for them. Uh, and how many times do we know somebody that studied something in college and then they work in a completely different field, right? right. So the discipline and what they acquired in getting a college degree, but then their passion lights somewhere. I call it their purpose, right? Yes. So they were able to provide with a certain degree but they're still chasing their purpose. So how was right. that transition for you going from college and, and what took place afterwards? Yeah, so the transition for me was um, a very key milestone in my life. And, and, and the reason why I say that it was a key milestone is because, um, you know, I got married in college. I was a junior. My wife was a senior. And, you know, we had been together um, my junior and senior year. And so when I was graduating college, we had my first son on the way. And so I was graduating in June and my son was due in August. And so, you know, I didn't have insurance. No time for that Caribbean cruise. I didn't cruise. have the career. You know, there wasn't, I got to, you know, I'm going to go back home and figure things out. There wasn't any of that. You know, my dad had told me when I, when I wanted to get married, okay, well, if you want to be a man, then, okay, then you figure it out and be independent. And so, um, you know, that was a time for me, Tony, where my faith was huge. And um, I didn't have a lot of resources in terms of 
um, the alumni network that they talk about mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I wasn't clear on what, like you said, my purpose and what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I said, I just need to make some money. Right. You know, and I need to get some insurance and things like this for my to family provide. to provide. Sure. And so I was fortunate enough to get into a program that provided sales training. You know, I'd always been, you know, one of the captains on my team, communicate well. You know, I spoke at, you know, my sixth grade, eighth grade, 12th grade graduation. And so I said, well, you know, let me try this. And I tried it for a week in training and I got placed in technology. And it worked out where um, that was right when the bus boom was happening in 2000 and all these online web sites were coming and, and web applications and so much going in IT. And so I got into that and, and did very well in selling those type of services and it was able to provide for my family. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't say that I found exactly what my calling or purpose was, but I knew Family was important to me, mm -hmm. and that providing for my family was was key. And so, getting into that path allowed me to have a lifestyle mm -hmm. that you know allowed my wife to stay at home with with my son and, and with our family growing up. And so, that transition is really, I think, key to your other question, Tony. Is when you're making that transition, you have to look at the skills that you have and how do you transfer those over and do different assessments and tools that are available of what you're passionate about. And a lot of times it's, well, I don't want to do this. You find out what you don't want to do. Right. And you're looking at elements that you know you do want, and you take a position that includes some of those elements. And know that your first job is not going to be your last job. Right, right. You know, right. But having that confidence and knowing the skills that you've developed playing this game at a high level are very marketable. Right. You know, and so, I, you know, I encourage when I when I talk or mentor, you know, young players in making that transition is take what you have, maximize what you have um, and then find elements of different positions that you would enjoy. Well, as we start to talk about what your vision is now moving forward and being able to empower young people. But we both know that there's plenty of testimonies and those stories of don't do what I did or, yeah. you know, don't don't make the mistake that I did. And so it's really right now you're really involved in trying to create um, bridges and opportunities for young people to find that, find find their greatness, find yes. their path a little bit earlier. Right. Let's let's talk a little bit about your family real quick, though. So, you know, you mentioned your wife and you'd also told me something I felt was pretty amazing that after raising your family, she went off and, you know, continued her education and studies. And now she's working as a doctor. Yes. Yes. So, you know, it was very important for us to have her um, stay at home with our kids for those foundational years. And she was a phenomenal, you know, stay home mom, home manager, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever label you want to use, she was phenomenal. Uh, but I think when she um, got to that point where the kids were all in school and she had a lot of extra time. Uh, she wasn't one of those people that wanted to go to the spa and go shopping and go do those type of things. She really began to, you know, search herself and say, okay, w what is my purpose now? And she wanted to get into the medical field. And so after spending 14 years and being a stay-at-home mom after graduating UCLA, she went and became a physician. Wow. And your wife's name? My wife's name is Keishana. 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 And so she she went and got her, her medical degree and yes. became a doctor. And in what area is she working? Because I found that extremely fascinating, too, because it's a unique field. Yeah. So she is she studied internal medicine. 
Uh, that was her specialty. And once she finished residency at uh, Loma Linda, she went on into palliative and hospice care. Yeah, and wow. so she's dealing with uh, individuals who are preparing for that transition of end of life, whether they have a terminally ill condition or they're just our, our elderly. And so she has a unique gift, Tony, to connect with people and to have empathy with people, but then also provide the medicine for the soul. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the, the, the proverb that says, you know, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, she really speaks to the soul, of not only the individuals, but the families as well. Right. And so, you know, she, she has a unique gift and she's impacting many lives um, and allowing a lot of people to transition with dignity and helping families yes. along the way. I think that was a statement that stuck with me too, as you, you'd mentioned, and correct me if I'm stating it wrong, but that she wanted to give people the experience they deserve as they transition to that next place. And, you know, we, we have the, we, we try to talk about everything in our, in our industry, that all aspects of life and, you know, nobody escapes death. Uh, you know, you, yep. you might not have a lot of it when you're younger. It's going to, you're going to deal with it later. Some people deal with it earlier. Right? right. But that, that part of life and it's such an area, um, that we don't want to dive into when we're experiencing it and you hope it doesn't happen, but then yeah. for that to be your profession. And then the, the importance of, if you're lucky enough to have someone that is empathetic and helps you, you know, within the profession, because medicine doesn't have to be empathetic, right? right? It can be, you know, I'd rather have a cardiologist that is right and not empathetic than an empathetic cardiologist that maybe misdiagnoses me or something. Right. right? right. But what a special experience. So I just, I would just say, I just really appreciate that aspect of what she's doing, you know, with her profession. And that's powerful. And that, uh, you know, a lot of people think there's certain age and timelines that you have to get certain things done, but she was, you know, again, she'd stayed home and raised your family first and then went out and did that. So very admirable as well. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and you know, the, the, the fruit from our tree, our three children, uh, who are, uh, who are uh, my, my oldest javelin, he is 22, and he is in his second year with the New York Jets uh, football team as a defensive back. Uh, my other son, Elisha, he is a third-year junior at UCLA, playing football there as a safety. And then my baby girl, my princess, Kayla Grace, she is a sophomore at San Diego State, and she is pre-med. Wow. And, you know, to have all kids that are thriving – um, and all kids that, you know, are understanding with a passion, like my daughter finding her passion late and say, I want to be a pediatrician. Right. You know, we didn't force it on her. There's something that she wanted to choose and do, and, and she's putting the work. And, and then my other son, Elisha, at UCLA, he um, was an advocate for the players' rights with, through this COVID and doing, working with We Are United to, to help college football and other athletes be protected, their rights and so forth. Um, and he worked with, you know, Governor Newsom and Senator Booker and all these other different um, politicians to help with their rights. And, and he's in economics and he's going on to uh, do an investment banking internship this summer up in Palo Alto mm -hmm. with, with Bank of America. And then my oldest, you know, he, he's, he's always dreamt of playing at the next level. Uh, and I want to talk about that here in a second, but I think, you know, again, I think every parent knows the challenges of parenting and how insecure and how uh, inefficient that we can all feel it sometimes. And so anytime you get to that smaller percentage where you've got kids that not only look great on paper, I mean, that, that is great that you have three kids doing what they're doing, but I think this is an important part of your story to tell as well too, because it, they've, 
we have a lot of kids that achieve in school. Yes. And then next thing you know, they're providing, but then there's that they miss their purpose, right? Yes. And so they might have a good paying job from Notre Dame or from yes. wherever, but then they come back and they're given lessons. You know, they, they finish their job working till four o'clock in the afternoon to pay for their condo or whatever it is right. that their house is in, but then they come back and they're teaching till nine o'clock because softball or working with kids or sports is really their passion and their right. purpose, right? right? And so it sounds like your kids at a very young age are already starting to find their purpose, which I've always said that's the perfect trifecta right there when you can achieve provide but you're working within your purpose because it's a daily fulfillment right? right you're not you're not waiting for the weekends to do something that you love right right a absolutely and, and finding that purpose i mean for, for our family you know i think the parenting and and so forth that that we put in has a big part to play of it but also our faith you know it, it's something that i used to share with my my kids when i did devotionals with them i said the greatest thing that i can do as a dad the, the, the most impactful thing that I can do in raising you is that when it's time for you to leave this home, you have your own relationship with Christ. Because I know if you have that relationship, it will affect every other area of your life. And so I think that has a significant um, role to play in where they're at right. and finding their purpose. Right. And, and I think, you know, what I, what I try to do with WP3 with these young people is to give them permission and speak into them and show them the greatness that's inside of them and to be able to pursue that which ignites their passion. Right. You know, and then hopefully, you know, as this organization grows, my business grows, I can bring on some former firecrackers or some former batbusters right. who want to stay in the industry and impact these girls right. uh, in a way that's going to help them not only on the field and, and in the diamond or in the training center, but off the field. Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of creative ways where we're, we're doing that and visions that I have. Uh, but that's so important. Right. So that foundational strength that you get from faith, yes. <clears throat> because that can be found in different ways for people. Yeah. But that is critical yes. because without foundational faith without that that central kind of structure it's it's kind of hard to hold your ground as a human right i mean so that's something as we talk to parents and because being a a, a sports parent nowadays to a teenager yes. is there's there's a lot of debris there's a lot of um emotional paths to take yes. and and for me, just an opinion, there's a lot of pain. Yes. And there's a lot of people that are trying as hard as they can. And mm -hmm. they have the stresses of providing for their kids. Some of times they don't have the disposable income to provide because even just travel club sports and any sports can be very yes. challenging. And not everyone has the ability to understand how to offset costs. They don't have that type of background, that type of education. So you have right. that stress. Now you combine that stress with the obsessive love, you yeah. know, how much we love our children and then what we will do for our children but oftentimes it's not the right thing to do, right? And so mm -hmm. when we're always just trying to create conversations and present information to people that, you know, not to tell anybody what they need to do, but to offer things and people could listen and go, hey, wait a minute, you know, he's a man like me or a parent like me. Um, you know, he has the same situations that I have, but he's been able to find a path, right? And yeah. so, but did you have as a sports parent, as your kids were coming up and maybe more when, with your oldest as he came up, did you fall into any of those, the competitiveness, the tough ride, car ride homes, the hard on your kids, the, you know, cause it, life is yin and yang, right? It's, yeah. it's good and bad. So what yeah. was that like for you in finding that balance as a sports parent? Wow. I mean, that's a great question, Tony. I would say as a sports parent, 
you got to remember, I'm a dad at 22. And, Full of fire and still a combat soldier. Oh, well, I, you know, remember, I just finished playing ball, so I still think I'm invincible. You know, the, the armor's still shining. Right. <laughs> and to all of you dads that, that didn't play past high school, we, I know that we all still think we're, we're, we have the best golf yeah. swing, we have the best swing, we have still our sh jump shot looks oh, pretty, yeah. right? I mean, there, there is that thing that you have as oh, a yeah. man growing up. And, right. and there, there, there is. And, and, I, and being young, you know, I, I, I trained with my kids. You know, you know, I say, okay, you want to go to the NFL? Okay, we have to put in extra work. So we would go to the park and jump on benches and jump on tables and do speed ladders. Um, but what it did that, that I, I look back now is I was being so much of a coach to my kids through those years and how, the, the especially my, my boys and how they saw me, that I left the space of being a parent and a dad in a lot of moments. And that is one thing that I, that I really encourage parents, especially dads, is that, you know, those ride homes where we want to coach them and we want to critique them. And we, I was there, you know, and, and my kids did it at a high level and they looked for that from me because I had conditioned them in that way. And that's what led me to change a different direction because it, it, it broke my heart that my, my, my sons weren't celebrating in that moment and they weren't having the celebration and affirmations from, a, from their dad. Was that an aha, aha moment that you had? Did your wife help you see that? Like how did that start to materialize so that you, needed, you saw you, that you needed a better balance? You know, my wife, she is a very direct and, and she will nudge me. She will say, that's enough. Talk about this. So she did that over the years. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I had read a book that really opened my eyes, uh, Chop Wood, Carry Water. And it just gave me a different perspective. And so, you know, I, I made that pivot and made that ride home or the, after those games or that experiences, even now, to really celebrate them, affirm them, you know, tell them I love watching them play. And we can talk about, you know, critiquing or missed opportunities later, mm -hmm. you know, but I want to make sure that they enjoy that moment and they have the love, the unconditional love, you know, of their dad and their parents, you know, in those moments. But it was a growth, you know, sure. it took time and it took growth and it took someone making me aware of a different way. Kind of going to a different room in your heart because it's not so much a, a learned behavior that you're going to work and you have to present a certain per persona that works in the profession, but it's not you per se. <clears throat> it's really just finding a different place in your heart that's there. You know, I, I explain to our players a lot of times <clears throat> if I ask in, in just in our office, you know, if I ask a player, where's your greatest source of stress? And I'm amazed at how many times she has no problem just pointing right across the table at dad. And then he's like, whoa, you know, it's kind of a time yeah. to be brought to the surface. Yeah. And, and then I find myself saying, you know, I want you to understand something. I'm going to speak for your dad right now. I know how much he loves you yeah. and I know what he wants for you. And I know that might sound a little funny if you're taking a nap and he looks at you and he realizes how, how beautiful you are. And I also know as a man, he more than likely doesn't say it to you enough, you know? Yeah. So, so that bridge of reality, because that, that foundational strength for our athletes, um, combined with some type of faith, some type, something that's going to give them that, but it, home is our biggest target. You know, yes. home is our, it's not so much where our, our most important battles are taking place, but I believe that the roots that get you through anything and everything 
can start at home. Now, yes. it's not always the case, and you can supplement that, but I think that's so important, which is why I want to talk about that too, because if I'm that dad and I'm listening, okay, Rico's got this guy. Oh, now they're talking. Yeah. Here they go on the dad thing. And it's like, oh, I don't want to hear, because it's we're not calling you out. We're your sponsor. We're like the we're like the 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 alcoholics that don't take drinks anymore, but no, yeah. we know what it's like, right? right? So we're not coming from a position of judgment, saying it's ideal and this is what you should be doing. It's more like, brother, we've been there, right? Yeah. And and that we have your back on it. And what? Just think twice before you just react and go to a right. different place in your heart because. Right. All you have to do is find that, right? And right. then all of a sudden, what? The dialogue changes, the boundaries kind of change a little bit, and then you have more more balance so that they are celebrating. Yes. And yes. you got to see that happen with your kids. Yes. You know, it, you, you make a great point in that, you know, we've all been there, you know, especially as men, we've been there. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to coach my daughter um, except, you know, when she and again, she was four years old, so you know she was mine at four years old playing soccer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the purple princesses. Shout out to the purple princesses the purple out there. Princesses, there you go. Um, but uh, you know, so I coached in soccer for a couple of years. But, but I noticed with girls, and when we play, you know, the rec sports, we just love them. Right. We celebrate. We want to see them running around. We want to see them kicking the ball. A little different than Pop Warner at seven? Yeah. For boys? You know, it, it's, it's, it's more of we just want to see them have fun right. and, and, and interact with kids in a positive way. And there's none of these stipulations that you're trying out, you know, for, you know, the scouts from UCLA, Arizona, right. and Oklahoma watching you at seven or eight years old. Right. There's none of those pressures right. that we put – you know, on our kids. For softball, we waited till they were 12 for a while, but now, now, now we've got things a little more back in the pocket, right? But yeah. again, it's another reason why we're talking about this. Was the experience, uh, was there a clear difference for the athletic experience for your daughter for, for, for your two boys? Or did you even notice that when, when, or did you see them all kind of collectively as just athletes and realizing more later and down the road, like the need right now for, to, for creating and protecting the emotional wellness of our female athletes? Yeah, you know, it, it was a difference. And, and you said something to me that, you know, uh, that really resonated that, that, I, that I experienced with my, you know, two sets of, you know, my boys and my daughters. You said that, you know, boys, you know, play good to feel good. Right. And girls have to feel good to play good. Right. And, and I reflected on that and I think about that and just my interactions with my daughter <laughs> that makes such a difference, you know, emotionally for them is that when they feel good, when they feel affirmed, and when they feel supported, when they feel protected, you know, when they feel the freedom that no matter what happens, you know, they're not going to be scrutinized if they if they fail. Right. But you encourage them to take risk. Right. It's okay to fail because of the potential that you are tapping into when you reach for something that is beyond what you think you can do. Right. And so... Um, I, I just learned early on that, you know, for, for girls, it was a different way right. to, to train and coach and encourage them um, than it was with, with my sons. Right. And, but, you know, even for the boys, emotional well-being and working with them, you know, was, was, was important because, like you said, there has to be a balance. Sure. We don't want them to become robots or become hard where they can't connect with how they're feeling right. uh, in those moments because, you know, that that was a difficult time for me personally. In the ninth grade, you know, I had had a friend who, my best friend, who got killed. And he was, you know, over some girl. 
you know, in a parking lot, you know, in a big circle. And, you know, I was away at a, at a travel basketball tournament and, and, and it happened and it rocked my world. Right. And emotionally, it just changed me. I, I, I was going to give up football. You know, I, one of my coaches had to talk me away from right. getting back into football because right. we had dreamed of playing college football together. Right. And so emotionally, you know, what it did, though, is it actually put scar tissue up. Right. Right. You know, and it, and it didn't allow it to really heal because I wasn't emotionally able to talk about it and talk through it. Right. Um, that affected me, you know, all the way up into my adult life. Interesting. And that's some of the things that we don't realize is that, you know, we can perpetuate cycles of emotional wounds or wounds that we have from our childhood and then pass those on to our kids. And that's where you said, when we come alongside someone and say, hey, we've been there, here's a different way, and this is why, it can help unlock or unleash some things that will allow them to not just better parent, but the intention is behind how can we help our child be right. the best version of themselves. Right. Well, you think about the ambition and drive that takes place in the classroom, takes place on the athletic field, and so I, I want I want the biggest, strongest men to understand that that love and caring and and implementing that and that feeling that those are not non-masculine words. Those are very powerful words yes. that you can. And I have not found a better word than beautiful to make sure that it's implemented in the mindset or the being of a young woman. And it's not so much beautiful that the physical attractiveness. It's right. it's your being. It's your happiness. Yes. You know, what, that's something we say in the firecrackers. When I I want the girls to always answer when I say, "What's the most attractive thing in the whole world? Happiness. The most mm -hmm. beautiful thing because it doesn't." You can it can transcend your age. It can transcend what what your physical looks are because everyone's attracted or wants to be around something that's good. And if we're going to change behavior or swing people over to inspire them, yes, and for people to be feel cared about and even even subconsciously feeling loved, right? So not yes. every guy wants to hear "I love you, brother," you know. Yeah. But it's it's something that creates a comfort level. Then then you're okay getting out of your comfort zone or that mo that's protected you, right. because we're all products of our environment, and yeah. then we've all developed emotional responses that protect us, right or wrong. Right. Overly aggressive, passive. Don't try. It's you're just going to fail, or yeah. try it as hard as you can and let it burn up. Right. But I think those are important things for people to hear as well, because. We're in an age right now where the need for understanding how to be a professional sports parent, and I don't mean because your kids are monetizing in the professional sports world, right. but they're professional minded. Yes. They are going to play something that requires them to have a different mindset. Yes. It requires them to understand that you're in a certain arena. So, you know, to go to your wife's profession, when you're at the hospital, when you're working, you're working still an empath, still care about people, mm -hmm. but your MO, your behavior, everything kind of goes over here. I think the most important thing uh, and where that takes place in sports is how you deal with the perception of failure, right? The mm -hmm. fact that the result, you miss the field goal, you drop the pass, you right. struck out, whatever, and then the innate response of I failed, the anger, the frustration, or, yeah. or for the young ladies, the disappointment, right? right? That they right. did, they've disappointed uh, their teammates, they've disappointed their coaches. but we are taking on the responsibility in our own ways of, of helping parents and players understand that being human is okay. Yes. 
but you have to just swing it over here and realize that this is not defining you. You're, the result that you might have failed at is right. not defining you as a player. It's not. It can't negate your experience. It right. can't negate everything that is the truth. Like it. It seems like we're so quick to abandon the truth because the truth is not always emotional. Mm -hmm. Like if I ask him, what do you know about yourself? How long have you been playing this sport? Twelve years. So that's past a PhD experience right there. Right, so do you right. realize that? Do you own it? And all they know is that they haven't had a hit in the last three months or three weeks or whatever. And it right. feels like, feels like a doctor that hasn't saved anybody's life in, you know, right. and so, so there's that, that natural response that I'm proud to be working with people in this space, again, just to provide opportunities for athletes and parents and even coaches in our industry, because they're, they're, they're the triangle, right? Yes. It's parents, coaches, and, and athletes that make up our triangle of our experience and our culture yes. and to be able to provide that. So as we start to talk about WP3, right, and how that came to be and right. what that vision is. So when did that start to come into fruition and kind of where it is now and what you hope to do with it? Right. Okay. Well, before I get into that, mm -hmm. you just said some things that I hope your listeners, if, if all 12 of them, if, if you didn't pay attention, you need to rewind this because what he just talked about, what Tony just shared about in terms of being a professional parent of a kid who's professional minded, that we are expecting them to have starting at what you say, 12 you. So that means 11, sure. 10 Can years be, old. Well, I'll tell you the, the statistical <laughs> comparison start at 10 and under which again is not good for child development. Oh, so it yes. can start as early as 12 and under. You're one for you're one for nine or right. you know something like that. And now now we're out of recess, right? You you lost four games in tetherball on Wednesday. You better get out there. Yeah. We've completely changed their experience. Yeah, yeah. You you, you got to catch what what he just said in terms of being that professional parent and your role through this journey that your child is embarking on is so vital. And it can't be seen as short term just to get that scholarship. You have to see your role from a lifetime of what foundation, you know, what values, what principles, you know, what you unlock, unlock in them through that journey uh, as a parent. And, and it's so important because they don't need another coach. They don't need another statistician. You know, they need someone that's going to say, I'm going to love you, as Kobe Bryant's dad said, whether you score 60 or you score zero points. I'm going to love you the same. Right. Now, Kobe chose 60 instead of having another season where right. he scores zero. But the point of that is my dad has created a safe space that he loves me regardless. And when do they need it most? When the result wasn't there. Absolutely. Right? When, they, when they didn't play well, when they're not recruited yet, when all of their, yeah. uh, all of their teammates are going to school and they're an unsigned senior, you know, mm -hmm. when they need it the most is when they're most vulnerable. And yes. that's the hardest time to give it. Yeah. As, as a human, right? Well, yeah, it, it is because I, you know, in writing my book and, and looking at a child psychologist, you know, and dealing with kids and child development, you know, and, and meeting with parents and kids, a parent's greatest desire, he said, is for their kid to be successful. So there's an altruistic core behind what they're doing. But then their greatest fear is that they won't be successful. Right. And is that and is they, they might fail. Right. And so... Um, balancing that, you know, there's no manual, like you said, in terms of how to be a parent. Uh, but we all are called to, just like we expect our children to grow mm -hmm. and to have a growth mindset. And so there is space for us as parents, as human beings who are responsible for these young lives to grow as well. And so that is really what 
WP3 is originated out of is really my growth journey as a parent who, um, as a player, as a coach, and as a parent, that I wanted to give a what started off as a book, as I call it, my warrior parent playbook, to give a mindset and some different ways to approach sports in order to get the most out of it to empower our kids to be their greatest self, to shine their light, to express their happiness uh, without comparison, you know, without covering it up, uh, without having to hide it and and be who they are. And so, you know, when I started this book uh, back in December of, of 2019, you know, it was more of my, my kids just all went off to college and empty nests, and my wife said, go on and do it. So I started writing it, um, and I just left my, my corporate IT job of 19 years a couple months prior to that. And so, you know, I was venturing off mm-hmm. and really finding myself in my way in terms of my next calling. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, from this book and writing these chapters and, and, and putting, you know, all these different life skills in there, I went on to create a program around it. I said, wow, this can be done in a team environment. Things are done better in team uh, rather than in isolation. And so we created, I created this program with you know, leadership and character and discipline and confidence, you know, all these different you know, principles that are in mm-hmm. sports, these different life skills that are in sports that these kids can do together as a team and focus on them one week at a time and explore from a self-awareness standpoint how they are utilizing these skills, own it mm-hmm. on the sports training platform, and then help them transfer that into their personal lives. To, to and, realize that. And, yeah. and, the, and the, the, I'll call it your mission statement, is that it's, it's empowering young people to find their greatness, yes. right? To find their greatness. And the book came first. Yes. The book came first. So WP is uh, Warrior Parent. And the three is? Well, three was my number in high school and college. There you go. It was actually the number of my best friend who who died, who got killed. Mm -hmm. And so I took his number. Um, and so and that lives on that, that lives on, um, you know, that, that, that's a scar that I, I wear very proudly. Uh, and so, you know, plus we had three kids, right. you know, we're the worried parents of three sure. kids. And so, uh, th- that, that was what was behind the book. Mm-hmm. And it was also, you know, for me, Tony, very therapeutic mm-hmm. because it was getting out, uh, a lot of what was inside of me and also my journey and my growth as a person, and as a parent, um, as a coach, you know, as a former player, mm-hmm. uh, with those mindsets and wrestling with those. And so, you know, we go through various chapters of, you know, encouraging parents to focus on the person over the athlete. You know, we, we talk about, you know, the warrior parent mentality because we live in a culture. You know, we see it, you turn on the news, we live in a culture that is built for a warrior. There's conflict. <laughs> our coach Don, uh, he's our 82-year-old patriarch of our organization. Yes. And and uh, every year we sit the kids down and holidays like Memorial Day, Veterans Day, th- different things like that. But okay. Coach Don, a, a very experienced man, but points out to our kids that there's been no point in recorded history where the world has been without war. 
Yeah. Like somewhere in the world. So it, he, he tells him it's what we do. It's what all species do. Now, again, it's, uh, it's not the idealistic talk of the way people should be yes. and what should be happening, but we need to realize that we are a species that is born to be in conflict. And so part of that for me is also not so much embracing it, but not being so scared of it yes. and then acting like it's not supposed to be there because now you don't know what to do. Right. Right. When conflict hits you, conflict resolution is a very powerful area to be effective in if you can understand it and then help people manage it because it's what divides so many people right Uh, social media in general um, we tell our coaches look you have the freedom to say what you want but with that freedom comes the consequence and there's no quicker way to divide your team your family your friends or anything else right now than to put certain opinions about certain things in the world but it's also the blessing we have with freedom of speech in the internet world that we have right now so so pretty interesting looking at the different um uh, chapters that you have the fletchings feathers and the finer points of leadership fletchings and feathers yes you know in, in studying you know the arrows you have the you know arrowhead the spear part that's usually made of a very hard substance you know they, they shape a rock or they right. shape metal you know those are the things that are going to pierce through the barriers the obstacle whatever the target may be right. and so what I equated those to be is work ethic Mm-hmm. how hard you work because mm-hmm. we know that can have the cream rise to the top mm-hmm. uh, the other component is confidence we know what confidence can do especially in sports we can see it even at the professional level when someone loses their confidence then they're a whole different player right. they're a whole different person right. um, and then the other component of the arrowhead is growth mindset we're always looking to improve, always looking to get better. We're always asking questions, you know, talking to someone and trying to be more uh, interested mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. someone else than interesting mm-hmm. and look mm-hmm. at me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's point. what makes the arrowhead there. And then there's the, the long shaft, um, which is the spine, which is the character. I put character there. Right. Because that's who we are. Right. You know, you don't have character. You're not going to go far. You're not going to fly very far in life. Right. Uh, and, and then the fletchings of the feathers, those are the, the finer, you know, different type of feathers that help take Guide. the trajectory mm-hmm. of where you're going. Sure. It balances you aerodynamically throughout your life, you know, for the arrow and its destination on its journey. Mm-hmm. And so those are things like leadership and discipline and focus competitive drive you know so there's specific elements that i talk about in terms of life skills for those fletchings and feathers um, that is going to help that arrow reach its destination effectively efficiently and soar to which the warrior who's shooting the arrow Mm -hmm. wants it to go those are all things that you acquire during uh, your lifetime that allow you to develop that experience yes so that when you're older you are a better source of guidance and yes. you can help the younger. So, you know, the importance of, of, of um, seeking or, or having counsel, right? right? And having people around you that are either, whether it's just experience alone, but, you know, I think that's very important because no one person, no matter who you are, I was fortunate enough to be blessed with a, a natural sense of confidence, but I also realized in my industry, not everybody was, and not everybody yeah. has that, but it absolutely can be de- developed. But I think that surroundings, your surroundings and who you surround yourself with. I mean, everyone's heard the, the, um, kind of the term or the phrase, you know, you are what you hang around with. And yes. so, you know, you can love your friends and there's a lot of testimonies and stories of people that love the people that we grew up with. Um, 
but realize that this is not a source of influence for me or strength. And so it can be a tough decision to maybe not hang in the old neighborhood or this or that. Right. But at some point you have to, you, you have to see what's in front of you. Right. right. And then what do you want for yourself? So you had mentioned earlier about, uh, if you can repeat the phrase about a, a child in, in your hand is like, it's, it's, I don't want to mess that yes, one up. So. There's, there's a, a verse in the Psalms that in Psalms 127 that says that, you know, children are heritage from the Lord and, and the fruit of the womb is reward. And it says right after that, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children of one's youth. And so I took that and then it says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And so I took that and that's where the warrior name comes from because it says that the arrow is in the hands of the warrior. We make the assumption that the warrior knows what to do with the arrow. Mm -hmm. He knows, he or she knows how to, one, craft it. Because they're not going to buy it right. back then. Right. They have to craft it. And if it doesn't work, it's not going to hit the mark. It's not right. going to hit the mark. It's not going to reach its target. Right. It's not going to protect you. It's not going to feed you, right. you know, back in those days. And so I took that approach and, and, and saying, okay, well, what is the mindset of a warrior parent who's crafting an arrow or crafting their child to soar in life, mm -hmm. to reach the trajectory, mm -hmm. you know, to be the best they can be? And so that is really the foundational component behind, you know, the name warrior parent because our children are like arrows in our hands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of us will say, okay, I'm going to shoot it right here, but you can see right here. Mm -hmm. But some of us are saying, no, I'm going to have to stretch back a little bit. Right. I need to pull some things in right. because I want it to go a further trajectory than right. what's right in front of me. Right. And that's the difference between short term and long term. Sure. And, and playing that long game in our role as parents and developing them um, so that they can be the best and have a successful and blessed life um, without us. Yeah. You it's know. an interesting <laughs> analogy that I haven't heard uh, put that way before. And I'm, you're always, I'm always looking for new things and new angles and twist on it. But I really like the way you put that because, again, what the arrow does provide when it's efficient, you know. Yes. And so for a parent that, that gets this book in their hands, right, yes. what's your ultimate hope that when they're done reading it that they come away with which one or two takeaways? Number one, I hope that they're inspired to grow as a parent and look at themselves and look through the lenses of what is best for my child in their growth and development cycle at this point in comparison to where you want them to be. Right. Um, because that's so important for them to understand that we're not just looking at the short game, we're looking at the long-term right. game. And so I, I want them to, number one, see that. And secondly, I want them to have a different perspective on how, like you said, they engage with sports as a parent of a kid who's playing it at a recreational or competitive level. And just look at from a different perspective of how can I use the life lessons and the principles from sports to help them personally right. at home, at social settings, you know, in school, wherever they may go to help them transfer the life skills that they get from sports into their personal lives, even at a young age. Sure. And, and we've seen that in our program with the teams, um, you know, Mike Stith and the Batbusters 18U mm -hmm. team was on the program and, 
and another 18U team with USA Athletics mm -hmm. and, and uh, the SoCal Storm with Coach Perez mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was there. And just reading the players' uh, feedback, mm -hmm. uh, you know, really inspired me and was overwhelming to hear that at teenage level, they're looking at how do I apply this in my everyday life? Right. Well, even in the testimonies, it's you can hear them. It's 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 not uncommon information. They've been aware of it, but it's almost like they've they're connecting the dots. You can hear it in their testimonies, right? So yes. you can hear it that they're actually connecting the dots. And so before we transition in the last part of this conversation to the WP3 program and what you hope to do with teams and team building and things like that, right. I want our parents to understand because we've, we, you know, again, we've we target our players. We, we target our parents because they need resources. They need that help. And I use the uh, kind of the reference of like the belt system in martial arts, right? So yes. you can walk into uh, any martial arts studio, have all the intentions in the world, all the ambitions, all the confidence. But if you don't learn, you're always going to be a white belt. And the white belt is a right. white belt. But yeah. imagine as a parent getting a brown belt, getting a black belt as a professional parent. There's a there's a certain standard now that you hold yourself to that you don't go back. It doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. doesn't mean that you're not going to have human right. moments, but you understand a training that you have. And so this empowerment education that you're giving them is hopefully being able to provide realizations like that for adults yeah. because it's, again, we don't ever fool ourselves that we're we're going to be perfect because I don't think that that's we can perfect our approach. I would say that to our like Stanford bound kids. They want yes. to perfect everything on their terms. I said, you're never going to perfect this game your way. Right. You're still going to strike out. That's the game. Yeah. But you absolutely can perfect your approach. And so as a parent, you can perfect, you know, your approach towards your kids, understanding there's going to be some parameters still good and bad. There's going to be the yin and yang of the sport, but you can better navigate the path of your kids because like I said, and then hearing your original story about where you came from, what you've been able to do for your Okay, because look, you could have had this degree from school, right? But then you don't have the personal experience or you don't have that. It just adds depth, Javelin. It really, right. really does. And so even for me as a parent, it it always makes you feel good, you know, when someone's coming from an area that they have that experience. And so as we talk about now the, you know, working with the Batbusters and the USA Athletics, Mike and Rose, Roger, some of my favorite yes, people in the yes. industry as well, too. And then Remini Perez, my gosh, and I won't go on and on about Remini, but, yes. you know, just quality people. Yeah. And quality people in our industry are usually not recognized or they're often underappreciated until they win a championship, right? Till they get that glamorous right. notoriety or whatever. You know, you're working with Mike and the Batbusters, and I've always said, arguably, they are the New York Yankees of softball. So whether, you know, and I'm a Dodger fan, so I don't think I'm about the Yankees, but you can't yeah. deny the Batbusters' longevity and their body of work yes. and the history of success that they've had, right? Yes. So you've got some different demographics there, right. and I love that you've got them in the same kind of cauldron in, yeah. in understanding this program. So what do you ultimately hope that, want the program to be able to do for teams and how does it work? Yes. So what, what, what we ultimately want to, well, let me tell you how it works. And then we'll tell you what we ultimately want to uh, get the kids and the parents and the teams to experience. You know, what we do within the program is we have, you know, different life skills that we've identified in sports. And we create on our mobile application, everything in our in our program is mobile based um, because that's what connects with this generation. Mm -hmm. And so within our program, we focus on one life skill one week at a time. And we look at, you know, work ethic one week at a time. And coaches, their responsibility is to help their kids see what does work ethic look like. Define it. Describe it. Show us what it looks like. So we have a standard 
that, that they're reaching towards. Again, the whole arrow, where's our target? Mm-hmm. And so we help them to define, and not just physical, it's the mental side mm-hmm. of it. You know, whatever that life skill may be, but how does it operate within your realm of sports or in training um, and what that looks like? And so then from there, they take that and then they do what we call a play sheet where they take seven to 10 minutes and sit with their parents. And we ask them to share how they utilize that life skill from sports uh, with their parents. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about any statistics. There's nothing to do with strikeouts mm-hmm. or data, you know, or, or, data or any statistics or, right. or rankings or anything like that. We start off with, you know, these eight questions. Did you have fun today? Share on one to ten. Share what was fun. Mm-hmm. That's important mm-hmm. because when we're on the streets and we're in recess, it's mm-hmm. all about fun. Mm-hmm. When their kids are four, five, six years old, it's all about fun. But when we get into this professional mindset, this scholarship journey, we can sometimes overshadow and cloud that fun. And I see the fun as like the sun, the shining, that illuminates. And sometimes too many clouds cover it up with stats and rankings sure. and comparisons. And so we go through this question and we, we ask them, well, when did you utilize leadership today? You know, did something good happen? How did your coach respond? You know, so we're really supplementing. We're supplementing what their existing structure yes. is, right? It's not so much that. And if, if however they realize that their their training or whatever they're doing can be restructured, great. But this is really a supplemental aspect to how they're viewing what they're doing, right? And then it kind of reflection afterwards, right? Yeah, it is. It's it's that that's reflection, that self awareness that we're creating. Uh, but that dynamic that they experience with their parents and hearing from the feedback. It's opening up the lines of communication about something outside of softball. It's opening up sharing feelings or emotions or experiences that sometimes get, like you said, get overshadowed because all you want to do is have that professional mindset of stats and and outcomes and so forth. And so we saw that happening in that parent-child dynamic when they consistently shared that twice a week with their parents. Um, and then we also have in there, you know, something to help build their confidence because we know how important that is. So we asked them, Tony, and this is a challenge, and, and any coaches listening, I, I would challenge you to ask your kids to share 10 positive things you did today in your training. And I did that exercise with the Bat Busters, and we have girls committed to Oklahoma and Florida and Clemson. And I said, okay, give me 10 things. And, and it's almost like I asked them a trick question. Right. And so then I, what I do is I bring them out and I say, okay, you guys know softball. I'm learning it. And I say, okay, give me someone who's going to be the batter and someone's going to be the coach. Now, when the batter gets in the batter box, okay, there's a pitcher. Now, tell me how you stand and how you prepare. And I said, oh, so should their feet be bolt-legged like this? No, they should be straight. Oh, is that a positive thing if they're straight? Oh, should their knees be bent? Oh, their knees should be bent. Oh, what about their elbows? And we started breaking down the positive things that they did. And I said, well, what about the mindset? Mm -hmm. I don't know this. You know, should they be looking at the pitcher, the pitcher's hand, how they hold the ball? Mm -hmm. What is your mental target? What is your mental focus? You know, what do you do to calm yourself? You know, what do you? So all those processes, when you do it right, regardless of outcome, those are all positive things that when you tell yourself and you write it down or type it into the app, you're reinforcing positive things that you're doing to build your confidence you're smelling the roses as you're moving along and it doesn't make you less focused it doesn't make you less intense or ambitious or less of a 
of a champion, right? right? It, it adds depth to it. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, and, and then we ask them, you know, we call it plyos, positives. L is learned. What are two things you learn new? If they're training with you or with their coach, there should be something right. they learn new today. Right. Two things, identify them. And then the I is improve. What is one thing you can improve upon? Because you can only improve on so many things and focus right. that energy. And then the O is ownership. How did you get 1% better? Let's get compounding interests, right. compounding development happening right. in their lives. And so they go through this plyo twice a week as well. And that was a key growth area for these young ladies during this process. You know, and some of them said, you know, it's too long. You know, what that, what that tells me is they're having a challenge with it. Sure. But we want them to be in an uncomfortable place. Sure, sure. Because if you can't identify the positives, then you might be doing some different things wrong. Sure. And it's going to help you grow. And creating change is not comfortable. And, and, yes. cr and changing your behavior is not comfortable. And yes. it's easier a lot of times to not change. And so I think empathizing with people and understanding that, you know, understanding their resistance right. sometimes to something that's new. Because I think innately they're they they're ready for the tension of opposites they're ready for you to defend and it's like, like no we we totally understand that yeah. but imagine you know how what you just mentioned and those tools of affirmation right yes. how that's going to replace to our parents what your kid did wrong today right mm -hmm. like what she did wrong or so many times especially like with pitchers and fast pitch how did you do i did bad like yeah. i did bad today yeah you've been playing 10 years and it, it just it just hurts just thinking yes. about it that that's that's the ultimate takeaway. Take so the great news here, Javelin, is that we're providing useful tools that can change the conversation with their daughter. Yes. And it doesn't mean, I would imagine that you've experienced this or if this comes in conversation, it doesn't mean get the book and your daughter's going to be like, all right, mom and dad, let's sit down and let's talk right, affirmation, right. you know? So how about that transition in building a better conversation with your kids? It's going to take a little bit of time, right? It, it is. And, and one of the things that I encourage parents to do and on our initial kickoff call is to really create a safe place when they come to you and they have and they're sharing with you where there's no critiquing there's no judgment there's no me telling you this is the way it's going to be done where they have the safe place where you're going to listen you're going to mirror back to you this is what i heard you say and then you're going to affirm and acknowledge them that is what begins to build a stronger bridge or begin to build bridges where they want to open up and be more vulnerable with you in that relationship. You know, I had a parent at, at, at the tournament, the Lake Havasu tournament, and, I, you know, I was talking, well, how's it going with your daughter and so forth? And, and she said, well, I can't get my daughter to talk with me, you know, and I'm like, wow, you know, and, and, and it just reinforced to me the importance that utilizing these kids, these daughters whose commitment to their coaches and the coaches says, hey, I want you to do this twice a week, even though they may not want to, mm -hmm. can open some doors sure. and change, like you said, in the home, the family dynamics. Sure. Because if that happens and they read the book and they see that affirmation and reward and acknowledgement, and empathy, these different elements are so important to you your child flourishing and blossoming and, mm -hmm. and being the best version of themselves and their greatness, um, that if they can take one or two things that changes that family home dynamic, again, the beneficiaries are kids. Yeah. And, that, and, that's, and that's really what it's all about. And, and that's what the app is creating is that you do this program with your teammates. You post pictures on the social media wall within your private group that you know are positive. You know, some 
girls are posting in Hawaii with their batting cages. You know, another girl just posted as a part of our mentorship challenge where she was with a 14U girl hitting balls out there with mm -hmm, her. Mm -hmm. And she's going to the University of Florida on a right, scholarship. Right. And so we're doing these things, like you said, to bring change and bring them out of their comfort zone that's going to not only help them develop, but it's going to impact their parents as well as when we do our mentorship challenge in part of every program that they work with someone underneath them. That sure. brings them to a place where they have to examine themselves and give back. Right. Because one of the things I, I do in this mentorship challenge is I said, what would you tell, what advice would you give your younger self right. at your mentee's age? Right. So if you're dealing with a 14 year or 12 year, right. what would you tell to yourself that right. you know now as right. 16 year or 18 right. year? Right. And that really makes them reflect. Makes them think, right. And pass on some very good information yes. that's relatable to the 12 year old versus coming from a 56 year old, I'm 56 now, uh, <laughs> you know, 56 year old guy yes. or a parent because it's more relatable to them. Right. Um, I think also, you know, when I think about, you know, I'll throw this for every 10 people you meet, how many have true happiness? How many have true security for every 10 sports families? How many have that ability to even have a conversation about what the kid is going through? And you're talking probably two out of 10 tops, right? And right. so this is a very important area. And with as smart as our kids generation is, they're extremely intelligent, right? And so yeah. they block out, you know, use the, uh, the, the TikTok. If I, if I start, if I get my own TikTok account and I start posting TikToks, they're probably all going to go just create something else to get away from TikTok. Like they have, they like to have their own built-in cultures. But I, right. I think for parents and coaches to understand that it's okay to be vulnerable because you use that word right now, right? Yeah. Is that it doesn't make you weak, but if you own the fact that, look, I'm going to try to do this, we're going to sit down and I'm going to tell you right now, rules of engagement, I'm not going to do this. Because the kid's sitting there waiting like, okay, hit the stopwatch and when is he going to start telling me my, my pitching's bad or this yeah. or that, right? But yeah. the rules of engagement, set those boundaries. And I think you have a better chance for your daughter or child to be more open-minded knowing that you're trying something and you're vulnerable yourself, right? You're yes. still strong, you're still the parent, but you're just being a person. And so right. therefore you become relatable. And I think, again, I think that... You know, you and I grew up in an area or during a time where, you know, you had to be this as a man, yeah. you had to be this and you had to, you know, you didn't show, you didn't cry, you yeah. didn't do this, you know, but nowadays the organic part of being human, I think is just so powerful. So I would encourage parents and coaches when you have a moment in a game, uh, now we'll kind of go to coaches and, and how they can implement this program and what they can do with yeah. this. But when you have a moment. Don't be this alpha dog out there and down because you just you, you don't realize you're just shrinking like this. The sooner, most likely after the game, you can just tell your team, I shouldn't have done that. You know, mm -hmm. I should have yelled at that other coach. I should have yelled at our player. I shouldn't have right. had a moment. Own your vulnerabilities yeah. because what that's going to do is it's going to allow you to move through it. It happened. Right. It's part of the experience, but it's not a front job that right. you're not selling very well because in the end, it seems like athletes have a story of, uh, you know, they're lucky if they play for one great life-changing coach. And so for the most part, you're, you're going to be coached by people. And yes. you're going to be coached by people that have different strengths and different weaknesses that all go into your collaborative experience as an athlete. Yes. But you're probably going to play for one coach that was a little more balanced or provided something a little more lifelong for you, right? But right. I think there's something to take away for, for everyone. So to all of those volunteer coaches now, all of these, these men and women that step forward because their, their daughter needed a coach, that's, that's yeah. so often the case in softball, right? How'd you get yeah. into coaching? 
Well, my daughter needed a coach. Right. And then I fell in love with it. Yes. And then she has to go play in another team because it's not good for me to be coaching her, yes. but I still love coaching. And now right. she's in college and now I'm still coaching. So the addiction bug that bites people in coaching, right. we understand it as coaches. Once you get bit by the bug, right. I mean, if you would have told me I was going to be a softball man at this age when I was 24, Javelin, I would have said, get out of here. I don't know. I don't <laughs> be a softball guy. And I, I would live my life five times over doing the same thing, but hopefully yeah. more efficient each time. Yes. And so, you know, what, what are, what's the hope that we can give coaches and how can they start to implement something like this into their programs? What do they do? Where do they go? How do they take a look at this? Is it WP3.com? Like how do they start to, to educate and, and uh, empower themselves a little bit with more information? Yeah. So, you know, they, they can reach out to me. Our website is WP3 sports, sports, WP3 sports.com. And, and we have information there. And, you know, my email address is javelin at wp3sports.com. You can look up javelin in a dictionary uh, or at the Olympics, <laughs> how to spell it. Uh -huh. um, but f for coaches, this is an opportunity to tap into holistic character development with your young players, you know, from 12U to 18U. And, you know, the time commitment, I know that's always the question for coaches is very minimal. You know, you, you can do more, but the minimal side is helping your young players understand each week what that life skill looks like. And we provide tips on how to integrate it weekly. We provide three tips on how to integrate it into your training, just a suggestion so you're not starting from ground zero. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but other than that, we facilitate everything else through the mobile application. We mm -hmm. do notifications. We do text messages. The, the players have everything and access to meet with their parents. So we facilitate all that within the application. Um, and the application is all with like-minded athletes. Mm -hmm. It's everyone who's making that commitment to say, I want to be better. I want to be a better version of myself, that I want to live in my personal greatness. Mm -hmm. And that's full of happiness. That's mm -hmm. full of joy. That's my uniqueness. That I, and it's okay. And we encourage the girls to post on there, you know, their expression of that, mm -hmm. you know, each week and different actions like meditation and mindfulness and, you know, working out or stretching, whatever it may be, they post it because that inspires someone else. I right. mean, that, that's the beauty of greatness is that true greatness inspires others. Right. True greatness serves others. It's, in it's some enhancing kind of way. your teammates. It's not, Absolutely. it's not, I'm the one with the interviews and getting yes. all the trophies afterwards that separates you from your teammates. Yes. So arrogance and conceit are just this far away from grace and humility. Yes. Right. But when you incorporate those around you, we, we teach our players when they're doing interviews and the, it's like, Hey, great game. It's like, Talk about your teammates, talk about your yeah. defense, talk about everyone around you. Absolutely, absolutely. So so we've structured the program to to either be, you know, a, a two month, an eight week program or, you know, a fourteen week program for, for over four months and then you can do something annually as well. Um, and and we are tackling, you know, and taking from our beautiful game of sports some of these great principles that your kids can apply. Yeah. And I would love to share some of the testimonials. And I know you've seen some of them that some of the players have experienced. And again, it's just what I believe should be the new normal for mm -hmm. sports. Mm -hmm. And it's something that addresses mental issues and health that these kids are dealing with, the social depravity of, of what they experienced with, you know, the pandemic and virtual learning. Sure. You know, it, it, it addresses the parental engagement component twice a week. They're engaging with their parents. So now you have your parents involved in a constructive way and right. a structured way. And, and so, 
you know, we have content that's available to help them with quotes from different athletes or inspirational or motivational topics, information on, you know, parenting, information on, well, what is mindfulness? You know, what is meditation? What are the benefits? Why do I do it? How do I do it? So we give them resources and tools, again, knowledge that they can tap into as they continue to grow on their journey through life. And so... We're here to serve the kids. We're committed to softball. This is our first sport. I've learned a whole lot. Yeah. You know, I know Coach Kelly. It's a crazy world. Uh, at UCLA, you know, she, she and I went to the same high school, mm-hmm. and we're at UCLA together. And so I, I've learned a lot now. I, you know, I went to my first, you know, travel ball game a couple months ago mm-hmm. and and uh, also, you know, went to – I'm still trying to get to a high school game. Mm-hmm. haven't been to one of those yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm enjoying it. And, and we're going to expand the soccer and – and football and other sports as well, sure. but because people know, are, are people, people are and people. sports are sports. Sure, yeah. um, can um, our our fifteen listeners? I'm going to say I really like this conversation, so we're going to go up three. I hope as um, can they also get information from go directly to the app, or is app the app more appropriate for someone already involved in the program? Yeah, great question. So you can download the app in the in the Apple Store or in the Google Play if you have an Android and get the WP3 app. And there's a general part where you can see different things are posted, um, but you won't have access to the groups. So again, the groups are private for each team. So so the Bat Busters, they have their own private group with their own wall and everything Mm -hmm. they do is there. Uh, The same way USA in the Storm and, you know, hopefully the Firecrackers will this Mm -hmm. this summer. Uh, Each group is private and we see who's on it and parents or kids and coaches. Um, so you can download that and just get a glimpse of that. Um, I'm also, you know, have the book Warrior Parent Playbook is on Amazon.com mm-hmm. where you can get it there. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're a little skeptical, I can send you a few free chapters um, to read as well on leadership and personal over athlete. Uh, but we're, we're again, we're, we're at this stage, Tony, as a business where we're trying to expose the sports community to what we're doing and offer something that's going to benefit our kids. Right. And that's what it's about at the end of the day. And, and whether it's, you know, like you said, one or 12 or 15 people that we impact, then, you know, I can hear, well done, good we job. We made the world a better place. We made it better. That's it, no matter how small. Uh, Javelin, I really appreciate your time too. I we can go on and on. This isn't those like those Joe Rogan podcasts. We go for three hours at a time, even though we really could. But like I said, there there's the book, and I would just encourage uh, parents and coaches, especially, to um, do your homework, do your research. You know, even right now, we use the word being skeptical, right? Because we're not afraid of those words. So that's that's. I would be skeptical for you. Okay, here we go. All right, what's this? So look into it, right? If it doesn't resonate, a lot of times. When something is right, you whether it's your intuition, somewhere it's going to resonate with something that just kind of clicks. I encourage everyone, whether it's your whatever your financial resources are, don't be afraid. But your time resource, invest in yourselves. Invest because yes. um, our kids need it. Yes. Uh, we're all starting things from ground level up. I mean, yeah. this is relatively new for you. Firecracker started from ground level up. So yeah. it's not like, you know, we're all learning this stuff together. But like I had mentioned before too, it's the collaboration of working with people in the personal experience like this, but also the people that we'll never meet. You yeah. know, the people that somehow uh, we can affect, but also don't realize how they're affecting us with just their testimonies. I mean, if it didn't need better balance, we wouldn't be here, right? right? And so uh, you also used another term, serve, and 
this is a different type of public service that I never realized could be so rewarding. And, yeah. you know, some people are fortunate enough to have certain experiences on the playing field, very rewarding, but making people happy, Jalen, yes. right? And kind of spreading, spreading love and stuff like that. I think Bob Marley said, my religion is love. And, you know, it's one of the common denominators between all faith and, and different philosophies because we're so easy to divide nowadays, but yeah. there's certain things that just continue to persevere. And definitely that L word is one of them. So yes. I really, really appreciate your time, man. We're definitely going to stay on track with you and we're going to get involved with the firecrackers too. You know, we all need supplements to what we're doing. A lot of us are wearing a lot of multiple hats right now. So right. appreciate what you've done of service to young athletes. Uh, wish the best to all of your kids and what they're doing and yes. you know hope to meet your wife someday because my gosh and i just kind of like to see how she kind of keeps you in line or how that kind of <laughs> works and that that component but uh again just really appreciate your time and hope to get you back in the studio with maybe in another year or so and yeah. call kind of follow up and see how the wp3 sports program is holding up and how it's flourishing sound good absolutely all right absolutely. thanks a lot man you take care and we'll all talk right. to you again soon okay thank you tony all right thank you